Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. What's up, everybody? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in for this episode with Tracy Shuchart. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you are enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn about some great offers that these sponsors have for our listeners, please visit futuresradioshow.com slash sponsors. Today I spoke with Trader and my friend Tracy Shuchart. It's been a while since I last spoke with Tracy on the podcast, so I kicked off today's show asking Shy Girl what market she's been trading and if she's changed her style or even her strategy. She started to trade platinum and moved from being a day trader to a swing trader. So we had a great conversation on how she went about adding a new market to trade and explains how she uses a different strategy for each of the markets she trades. Tracy explains her reasons and process for going from a day trader to a swing trader and why she does so much homework on the fundamentals. Last but not least, we talked about how our jobs are never done as traders and how we always have to adapt to the markets and ourselves. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Shy Girl. Tracy, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. It's been a while. It's been a while. Since we last spoke on the show, and we've talked on right. Twitter many, many times, but uh, since it's been a little while since we last spoke, what markets are you trading these days, and has your style or even strategies changed? Yeah, well, I'm still trading crude, um, and I am, you know, I'm trading uh, the 30 year pretty much. And, um, platinum is kind of my new thing. So that's something that I added to what I trade recently over the last year or two. And definitely my style has changed. I mean, I remember when we first were talking, I was more of a day trader. So I'm definitely uh, more of a swing trader now. Cool. So you are still trading some crude. That's your baby. And always right. Always right. (laughs) And, I'll always trade that. Yeah, and you've added now 30-year, which I think in the past we've talked about you trading that market, but platinum. platinum Why platinum? I, <laughs> I actually really like platinum because um, if you're if you're watching order flow and things like that, it's such a thin market, you can read it a whole lot better, or at least I feel you can read it a whole lot better. And it also, I find it, it you know, it always gives you a chance to get back in. If you're swing trading it, it'll go so far. And then, you know, it always come back for you to be able to get in. And generally those levels tend to be 
the same a lot of times. Like, you know, I know that like say 980 is a really good level. 960 is a good level, you know, 890 was a good level. So, and I just noticed that market always seems to pull back to um, those same levels and nobody's trading it. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's one of the reasons why I really like the 10 year ultra. Um, is because, well, first of all, the 10-year versus the 10-year ultra, I felt with the 10-year, I'm always buying the offer, selling the bid to get in. <laughs> and with the 10-year right. ultra, it's a little bit thinner, moves a little bit more, not as much as the 30-year. But for me, I've just felt like this 10-year ultra better suits my personality. And that's something that you and I have talked a lot about in the past. So right. when you decided to start trading platinum, because I think this is something that's important because a lot of people, they start to trade a certain market and then maybe you know, the market becomes tougher, E-mini S&P, and maybe you want to go and you want to trade a different market, but you have this style and this strategy in place that you're already trading. Talk to us about how you go from trading primarily crude oil, and and I know you've been trading 30-year bonds and even S&P for a long time. How do you start moving into trading platinum? Well, first, I watched the market. Right. So, you know, I've probably watched the market for a good six months before I ever even made a trade in it just to kind of get the feel of how the market moved. Right. And which levels it came back to. And literally I have a chart that's, you know, that I just took and I wrote levels for literally six months. You know, I just marked all over the chart, put the levels it came back to and really just studied it. And I mean, not everybody does that, but um, because it doesn't move like crude, because it doesn't move like, you know, the 30 year, because it moves completely different. Um, so really, I mean, that's kind of my, that was my approach to it really was just to watch it. Now, not everybody needs six months. Um, you know, I just, um, felt that that was adequate time just because it was such a different market because I'm not a metals trader. What indicators or type of strategy are you using? I know you said you're more of a swing trader now, but talk to us a little bit about the process for your strategy for trading platinum. Yeah. So I, you know, I use volume profile, right? Because you kind of want to see, and you can really see when you put a volume profile chart on of you know, on a daily chart of, you know, however long you want to look at it, you know, generally I like to start at looking at it from, you know, the last 10 years, five years, and then on a year basis. And, and that, and that's where you can really see those levels, right? Cause you can see where the most volume's been traded. Um, so I just kind of mark all of that out, which is kind of something different than I do with crude because I'll do, you know, I watch that on literally on a daily basis, right? I have that spread out uh, when I watch volume profile on that would be our, or TPO. It's on a like day, whereas platinum, I take a chunk of time. Like I'll look at the year, not each particular day because I'm swing trading it. Right. Yeah. So I use, I use that and literally horizontal lines. That's it. No oscillator. No nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, really it's like simple. a blank chart. I keep it as because I know from the past when I tried to trade other markets or you know, I've been doing this a while that if I start adding all these indicators, it's too much for me. So 
as kind of I've progressed in my career, I've literally taken indicators off and indicators off and indicators off. So my charts are really plain now. Whereas, you know, if you would have looked at them, you know, five years ago, eight years ago, you wouldn't have been able to, you'd be like, how are you trading off of that? <laughs> There's so yeah. much stuff on it. Right. So I just, that's really, you know, kind of just how my style has progressed is the less is more kind of thing, because I'm not looking for these, the little intraday moves. I'm looking for some, the bigger moves. I think that's a common theme with many of us that have been trading for a long time, right, Trace? We end up having all these different indicators on there. We somehow find a way to make money with, with, with the indicators we have, with our strategies. And then as time goes by, we have less indicators and we're trading less frequently. We, we, I think we just yeah. want to have a stronger hand in the market as opposed to chasing every tick. Right. I mean, I, you, you know, I, can't, I feel like I'm, I'm just too old. For that. It's too much stress for me. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. There's, there's no question about that. Um, so I think that when you do do that, when you take a lot of those indicators off, you simplify your strategy, you get experience in execution, you can then have different strategies for different markets like you're doing because you look at crude it's like it, their instincts to you now. You, you look at them. You right. look at the market. You know your strategy inside and out. And when something's there, you trade it. You look at platinum. You're looking at it a little differently, but right. you are now developing those instincts in that market. I think that gives you the freedom to be able to do, uh, to be able to trade multiple strategies when you do simplify things. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. So something you do a lot of is macro and fundamental homework. Yes. And with 2020, oh, just almost a couple months in so far, I'm hearing a lot of macro traders out there saying that there is a disconnect between the macro and what's happening in the markets. What are your thoughts on 2020 so far? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, this year is, you know, it, it, I kind of feel like, we went from like 2018, it was nice, volatile, kind of made sense. You know, we had some, some, some good moves. If you're a trader, if you're an investor, you probably, that wasn't your favorite year. Um, but then like last year, things got kind of weird. And then like after September, things got really weird. <laughs> in, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, after that repo spike and I don't, you know, I don't, you know, that 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 market is, you know, not my thing. I, I don't know a lot about the credit markets, but, you know, I did notice that the markets that I trade, you know, like S&P got really difficult after that, NASDAQ, things kind of went a little wacky after that. So to me, since September to now, I mean, granted, the market's just gone straight up, but almost in an unnatural way, if that makes sense. <laughs> Because you study the fundamentals and the macro side of things so much, I mean, you're always doing homework. You're always putting great homework out there for other traders to do on Twitter as well. What are you seeing in the macro and fundamental side of things that's actually working with the technicals right now? Well, I think that really, if you were look, to look at the S&P and why we've gone to, or any of the indices, really, why we've kind of gone straight up, you know, I think at first there's a lot of liquidity sloshing around in the system right now, right? Um, I think with, 
on top of that, I think that Europe, people are pu pulling money from Europe. Europe's not looking that great. I think this coronavirus, we'll see a lot of capital flight from Asia move over to the U.S. market. The U.S. will be a beneficiary of, of that um, changeover. So I think a lot of that has helped propel the U.S. markets personally. So that's where you uh, see the macro and the fundamentals working actually with the technicals. And right. So, I mean, I think it's just that where it's not working, right, the disconnect is, you know, between, say, earnings and where stocks are and, you know, uh, how uh, overinflated um, asset prices are and things like that. Like, I understand that people are moving, you know, money over. There's a lot of liquidity in the system. But at the same time, the market's saying, you know, the internals of the market are, are not agreeing with the index price. So when you have a situation like this, how do you go about trading that? Well, I don't really trade ES anymore <laughs> because of that. I mean, I was long for a while. I got out way too early. Um, you know, I should have just sat in it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, I just personally decided that it would be better for me to kind of take a break from the indices for a while. <laughs> um, so that's how... I've approached that, you know, I've, t like I said, you know, I've been long, gotten out, got long again, but no, not trading it near as much as, you know, I used to be. I don't think you're alone in that one, Shy, because from myself and many of the S&P traders I know, when you do get in environments like this, where we have these just runaway bull markets for day traders, at least in my, in my years as a day trader, these are tough markets to trade, especially when you start having these macro themes conflicting right. and you have underlying themes that probably tell you to be short. You have underlying themes that tell you to be long. I know that everybody's going to say, well, if you're an intraday trader, yeah. you don't even need to worry about that. Uh, and I, and I would agree with that if you're trading, you know, very, very short term, if you're trying to make a couple of ticks here and there, or, or if you're even trying to make a couple of handles a day, right. I'm trying to hold trades and, throughout the day. And in the S&P, I like to have the macro themes really more working with the primary trend. I don't like the push and pull that we're seeing because I don't have the conviction to hold on the trades for a longer period of time. I am primarily technical, but I like to have those other things behind me uh, to, to give me the confidence to hold the trade. I think you and I have actually discussed this in the past where we said, Technicals help us with our risk management. That's what we primarily count on. But fundamentals, when they're working with technicals, is when you hold trades, is when you have the biggest moves. Right. And in a push and pull market, I'm doing less. I think many people are doing less because when you're at all-time highs, technicals even start to matter less. So it is definitely just all in all a more challenging time, I think, intraday trading the way that we do if you're day trading equities. So instead of forcing it, why not just trade less <laughs> or, or why not just not even trade it until you have that conviction for what you're, for what you're looking for? Right. Exactly. And that's where I think, you know, that's like for me where, you know, I can go back to the crude market because, you know, that's still 
is kind of making sense fundamentally, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, that, that market's just behaving a lot better. Well, talk to us about that. I mean, well, you and I can't have a show without talking about crude oil. So l let's just stay on right. crude oil here for a minute. You said that <laughs> the fundamentals are working pretty good right now in crude oil from what you're seeing. Start off with telling us what what fundamentals you're seeing and then how you believe that the, the crude oil market is reacting well to that information. Well, first, you know, we had some spikes at the beginning of the year, which, you know, generally we do see. Um, and we had, you know, an incident with Iran. We had World War Three for five minutes. Right. And, and you saw those spikes. But I knew that market was already oversupplied. So to me, it was really easy to sell those geopolitical hit things because I knew that the market was too oversupplied to warrant anything, you know, say over $60, right? Plus we have been in that range for over a year now. So those kind of things were very easy for me to sell. Um, and then when the coronavirus hit, you know, we were already trading to the downside. And, you know, I knew that seeing all the flight cancellations and everything like that, you know, it, it made that that much easier to hold that to the downside. Right. Because I probably would have gotten out a lot earlier until that happened and then was able to hold it all the way down to 50. And then that's kind of, you know, uh, the area where I, I thought that it would bounce because that's sort of been, you know, the floor for over a year. Um, so there have to be a reaction there. But, you know, now we're seeing a little bit of a bounce. But, you know, and we have this OPEC meeting coming up. Are they going to cut? Are they not going to cut? So, you know, I think the market's going to kind of be in this zone um, for a little bit until that March meeting. You know, if they don't cut more, then, you know, we'll probably have a reaction to the downside. So I can use these kind of uh, things a lot better trading crude because they make sense and they fit with all of my technical analysis as well. Hey everybody, a quick pause here to talk about FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures Contract, symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. This is the reason why I started reading more about macro and fundamentals. Now, I don't trade crude oil like you do, but crude oil, I think, is one of the perfect examples uh, of what you just spoke about that recently happened is because you know the fundamentals of a market and the headlines, I've said this so many times before, day one is always the overreaction. Right, all the people that don't trade macro that that are only technical there, or, or people that are even brand new to to trading a market, will right away chase a headline, and so it's always right. the overreaction. Day two is the reaction to day one because now all of a sudden we've hit some prices maybe we haven't hit in a while, or there was volatility, and then day three tells the truth. And right. the people that really do their homework are prepared for those moments, like you said, the market you felt was overreacting to something. And when the dust settled a little bit and you were able to look at the fundamentals versus the price action that was in front of you, probably combined with some technicals and, and a lot of things and say, you know what, this is an opportunity. 
But it all stems from doing that homework first before you get there because a lot of people probably didn't have the confidence to potentially sell a rally in crude because of the fear of the headlines. But you had a macro story, a fundamental story underlying it. Absolutely. I think I actually posted to something. I said this, this, I was responding to somebody and I said, this spike was a gift. And everybody was like, you have balls short and crude here. (laughs) I got so many comments like that. And I was like, okay. And you know, and then $15 later, I, I, I was right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, look at it. I mean, this is, this is why you have to do your homework, everybody. And the reason why right. you were confident there versus maybe other people that weren't was because they were more fixated on what was happening right then and there versus what was happening beyond that. And they didn't, they didn't have right. maybe that vision for it. And, it. and it all comes back to you. You're like, well, my, my homework tells me this exactly and I you know I think that that's very important I mean I I think it may you know if you're probably an intraday trader you don't really need you know the fundamentals so much or if you're a scalper obviously Um, but I mean if you're going to be in a swing trade for a longer term trade you know you know sometimes I hold things for two three weeks it just depends but in order to be able to do that, you have to have some, I think, some sort of sense of the fundamentals that are going on to be able to really have conviction in that trade, right? Oh, I completely agree with you on that. And that brings me to my next question. And we've already talked about how you've gone from short-term day trading to a swing trader. I, too, have gone from really short-term scalping to just trading intraday, not necessarily a swing trader, but kind of a combo of a swing slash day trader where I primarily hold my positions throughout the day now. I'm not in and out like I used to be, but even that transition for me was difficult because trading both sides so often or trading uh, you know, all the different levels that I have that might be hit in, in a day, going from that to holding a position for the day, one of the most difficult things for me to do was stay away from an intraday opportunity that I thought I could make money on. Uh, Because, you know, as traders, I think we always think we see edges. Therefore, when you're sitting in a position, holding a position, and you're used to a style where you would be taking these trades in the past and now you're not, that was tough for me. How have you been able to adjust your mindset to go from being someone who was a short-term day trader to a swing trader? I mean, I still do that. I mean, I still look at them, you know, I'm I'm sitting in front of my screen all day and I'm still looking at intraday going, Ooh, that would have been, you know, I I mean, I still comment to myself in my head, right. I'm like, Oh, that would, you know, that would have been a good long there or whatever. But really I found, you know, and you have to find really what works for you. Like I have found, so much more peace (laughs) not intraday trading and not you know not day trading and it really actually I feel like in a way it like I should have been doing this a lot longer like but I was so stubborn and stuck in that you know day trade mode had I I switched I, I like it suits my personality better I just didn't realize it 
because that wasn't what I was doing. <laughs> if that makes any sense whatsoever. So, you know, since I made this switch, I feel much more confident as a trader and it really just suits my personality. And it's not gonna suit everybody's personality. Some people love day trading. Some people are position traders. You know, it really all depends. But I think, you know, I, I feel like I felt like this huge relief over me when I found, you know, kind of a style that suited my personality better, if that makes any kind of sense. It absolutely does to me because I think that too many traders get their minds set on finding a strategy, a technical strategy or fundamental strategy that they're going to use and they're going to use it forever. And then the markets change the story on them <laughs> and then they have to adapt and change to the changing markets. We've all been through this. If you've been trading for a while, you've been through this. If you haven't been through it yet, believe me, you're going to be tweaking your strategy forever. Our job never ends. Right. <laughs> but not only will you have to adjust your strategy or adapt your style and strategy to changing markets, but you will have to adapt it to your changing personality if it changes. For me, it changed. Shy, for you, it changed. Right. We both, I mean, for me, it was... It was a combo of the two. Uh, obviously, scalping for size like I did for as many years as I did. Eventually, the machines got the better of me, gave a nice chunk back. And then physically, I had a heart attack, uh, which also caused me to not want to be intraday trading as much. So I had a lot of reasons uh, why I had to change. Markets forced me to, and, and physically, I felt like I had to. So, But in that in that change, it was really for me, going back to what you had just said, going a little bit longer term, and I'm still intraday trading, which is not scalping, it, it better suited my personality. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think, I would think everybody kind of does that. Or, you know, you just kind of evolve. Hey, everybody, I want to take a quick pause and talk about RJO Futures. They are a longstanding brokerage firm with personal broker relationships to learn, discuss, and trade the futures markets. To learn more about RJO Futures, please visit rjofutures.com. Our job is never done. <laughs> right? Right? You know, I mean, it's everything's changing. You know, markets change. Not everything, you know, something that worked five years ago doesn't work today. Something that maybe worked six months ago doesn't work today. I mean, so I you're always, you know, there's always kind of an evolution anyway, you know, that we're, that we're going through. Yeah, and you know, I want something that I I saw this on Twitter the other day, and something that was difficult for me after good runs or after maybe even style changes was you make money doing something one way, and then you have a little bit of a drawdown, and then I think a lot of people would say, okay, well, is it back to the drawing board or do I just keep trading this way? And I gave back so much money continuing to trade big, uh, trying to basically force my style and strategy that had worked for me in the past to continue to work until I had recognized, look at this is just not working anymore, man. And um, so for you, I'm curious, what was that moment? What, what was it that you looked at everything that you were doing and said, you know, I, I do need to make this change. I think it just kind of evolved. Like I, I started with crude, right? Cause I was like, there are these huge moves. I don't have to, you know, 
you know how crude moves, right? It gets can get really hairy during the day, right? And I just started that. I don't know if that's the best question. Well, <laughs> so basically what it was I don't know what kind of answer you want. Well, was it that you recognized that maybe you could be holding these trades for longer moves instead of just sitting there chasing ticks all day? And I don't feel like I'm like stressed out all day long, right? That's a big part of it. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I'm not like sitting there. I'm not stressed out. I'm not like feeling like I want to puke every day. I'm not, you know. (laughs) I I, I laugh because I know the feeling. Headache, stomach ache. Uh, I I get it. You know, it's very similar for me. I mean, I think that the message really for everybody is, is that not, not only if markets change, we change. And if we change as people and we're stressed out being in uh, trading our strategy, then, then adapt, adapt to yourself, to how you're comfortable trading. Exactly. Last question before we get into rapid fire, Shai. A lot of what we talked about today was really mental and statistical edge. And it's something that I've talked about quite a bit on this show in the past several months. Uh, it all started really from a tweet that I put out saying that I believe that you need to have mental and statistical edge in your trading. It's great to have both, right? I think you need an, a, a little bit of one and a lot of an, of the other, uh, I think, in order to have great success as a trader. Um, for me, I felt that I had much more mental edge versus statistical edge because my strategy was really just support and resistance lines. And I felt that I always took advantage of situations um, when they were presented to me. And I I made a lot of money during those times. And when the market wasn't giving me what I wanted, I was able to only give the market a little bit. So I, I really put a lot of my success on having mental edge. What do you think about all that? Well, I definitely think I, you know, my edge is mental over statistical, Um, you know, and it's really just because I do so much homework, prepare, I know my markets, I know the way, you know, they move. Now, I don't always make the right trade, but at least I can go into it mentally being, feeling, you know, fairly confident in what I'm doing because I'm mentally prepared for the trade, whether it's going to be a loss um, or a win, you know, I mean, I have you know, I know where, how much money I'm willing to lose on a trade, right? So I'm going in there mentally prepared. So I think that's where, you know, my strong suit is as far as, you know, statistical edge. I mean, you can use all the indicators in the world, but I don't think that that doesn't necessarily guarantee success. Yeah, absolutely. I think that so many people that are going to be day traders like you and I, you know, I know you're a swing trader, but once again, we're, we're, we're trading every day and think that they're going to find a, a strategy that gives them such a strong statistical edge. That that's what's going to make them money. And they don't work on the mental side of things as much as that. And then they get really strong in their statistical edge. And then all of a sudden the market changes the story on them. <laughs> right. And right. they don't and have, you have like, and then you like, then you melt down, right? Like I, you know, I've seen traders, you know, their strategy stops working and they have like a complete and utter mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. As well, right? Yeah. And that's what we go back to. It's like, we both had to adapt. We had to change our styles. 
you know, if I if my strategy was so good, I've said this so many times, I would just automate it. It's just not the case. If I had such a great statistical edge, I would just automate it and I wouldn't even look at it. But the only way I've made money is by having some statistical edge. You do need to have it. I mean, you need to have some indicators right. and some sort of a strategy, but you've got to have you've got to work on that mental edge as well. I just I believe so much in in that. Absolutely. We are not done yet, Shai. We it's been so long since we talked from our original interview. You and I did not do our rapid fire questions. So I have rapid fire no. questions next if you're ready for those. Okay. Let's do this, I think. <laughs> All right, everybody. Our rapid fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies. Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Shai, first question for you. What traders influenced your life the most and why? I don't know that. I mean, a lot of traders really, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books from a lot of really good traders, but I guess, you know, if, you know, we're talking about somebody that's been in my life personally, I would probably say um, Eddie Dworkin, who I worked for on the floor, um, was probably the most influential directly on my life, aside from, you know, a lot of good other traders like Linda Rajki and, um, you know, but hedge fund managers that everybody's read their books. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Dworkin, just because, you know, he had a direct influence on my life. What was one of the hardest things for you to overcome in trading? The hardest thing that I would say, you know, I used to just want to jump into the market all the time, like when I first started trading, right? So um, kind of having uh, patience rather than just kind of jumping in the trade or being all over the place. So um, I would say patience, but that comes with age too. Like I'm a lot more patient than I used to be. <laughs> How has your trading process evolved over the years? Well, we kind of touched on this. You know, I went from an intraday day trader to now a swing trader. What is one attribute that you believe every trader should have? Positivity. I think a lot of traders get angry and upset. I see this a lot on Twitter. And I don't think that you can be successful if you're in that mindset all day. Favorite book about trading? Trading Sardines that I just read from Linda. If you had to pick a profession other than trading, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I probably uh, would... Be something uh, involved in political science. What's the best piece of advice that you received about trading? I'm trying to think. What's the best piece of advice that I've had? I've had so many pieces of advice. It's hard to pick just one, right? I mean, there's so many good things that I've been taught over the years. If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say? I think my edge is, is that I do a lot of a lot of homework, a lot of fundamental research before I ever decide to even get into a trade. Um, and I use all of that then coupled with technical analysis to make my execution. But I think it all comes back to, I mean, I read a lot. I do a lot of homework. I do a lot of background in uh, research and 
all the markets that I trade. So I think that would be where, where my edge is. Last question for today. Favorite thing to do when you're not trading? Um, cooking. Yeah, I know. You know I can't. That. I do know that. <laughs> I know. I have invited myself to your place when I finally get to Canada. I have not been to Canada yet, and I've been thinking what I'm going to ask you to make when I come by. What's your right. favorite? What's your favorite thing to make? What's your favorite thing to cook? I don't know. I like it so much. You know, I kind of go in phases where I'm. You know, I'll be like on a beef kick, or I'll be like on a seafood kick, or an Asian kick, or like you know. I was just on a carnitas kick. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, I think that kind of always is changing. Well, Shai, this was great. Where can people find you on Twitter and if you have a website? So, um, I'm at Shy Girl, C H I G R L. I do have a website that is shygirl.com. I do not update it regularly. <laughs> at all but if you go there there is some good information on there um as far as the crude oil kind of some fundamental backgrounds like uh, on things like why i think the euro is more correlated to crude than u.s dollar so there's some interesting tidbits out there it's just not updated shy what can i say it's always so much fun and and i always learn so much every time i speak to you thank you so much for coming on futures radio show today and thank you, Anthony. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can listen to all of our episodes on futuresradioshow.com, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. <laughs>